sponsors. Mrs. Cyril Frankel, Rabbi Simcha and Cyril Frankel, and they are sponsoring the CD this week. And this is an honor of Mrs. Frankel's father's mother, mother's yard site, first yard site on the 23rd of Cheshvan, Matel Bas Wolf Bear. May her neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May she channel lots and lots of blessings to you and your family for health, nachas from the children, pranasa barachava, and only, only happy, and simchas, and only, only good things to you and your family. Um, and Be'ezus Hashem, very soon, with the coming of Mashiach, and all those that have departed, returning down here, you'll be reunited with your mother. Thank you so much. Um, the first yard site is always a very, very powerful, a very special one to make special elevation for the neshama. Um, another dedication tonight was our dear friend Menachem Mendel, Kenny Kamil. And this is in honor of his wife Susie's birthday. Bench the year for you. Hope it's a surprise. May Hashem bless you with a really good year. A good bench the year. Much bracha natzlacha. And both of you, a lot of happiness and gesund and, and, um, and, and only, only, only good. In all ways you think possible and beyond that. Thank you so much. Um, uh, we also have another dedication on the shir tonight uh, by our dear friend Velvel Tzikman, and this is in honor of his grandmother, Chana Bas David HaKoyen's yard site is tonight, the 18th of Cheshman. May, may her neshama have a great aliyah. May she channel lots of brachas to you, Tzikman, and a very big, you, Velvel, and your entire Tzikman family, and a very big mazel tov on your upcoming wedding of... Uh, of your son, may it be a binyan adeyad and only simchas and only only happy things. Thank you so much for the dedication. Another dear friend of ours, Terry Levin, is uh, is sponsoring tonight's class in honor of a grandfather's, her grandfather, her dear grandfather's yard site. Also tonight, Aaron ben Michal Olav Hashalom, may his neshama have a great aliyah to the greatest of heights, and may he reciprocate all the love, all the love. Because every time I call you and I mention to you a, a yard site of someone in your family, there is so much outpouring of love to these, uh, to, the, to your family members. So I'm sure they feel it and sense it. May they reciprocate their tremendous love to you and evoke above for great mercy and 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 rachamim and blessings and only good for you, only only revealed revealed good for you, and um, you should see it with your eyes. Uh, another dedication came in. A, Two minutes before this year, uh, our dear secretary, who had left just a few weeks, a few two months ago, maybe less, Shoshana Lianz, she's been such a boost for Mayan, for Mayan Yisrael, helped us out so much, and now she's uh, 
onto other things and still deeply connected with Mayon. It's her birthday tonight. So she's dedicating the class together with a good friend, Chaya. So I want to uh, bench you, Shoshana, with a shnas bracha a wonderful, wonderful, good, 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 good year filled with boundless, boundless blessings, both in the material and in the spiritual. You should see it with your eyes in, 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 in a very, very simcha way. Okay, last but not least, my dear, dear friend, uh, Mr. Shlomo Goldner, Saul Goldner, is honoring tonight's CD, the class, the shir, the, the CD of tonight's class, um, in honor of his Rebbe, the Rosh Hashiva of Tervedas, one of the Rosh Hashivas of Tervedas, um, Rabbi Dov Be'er Rivkin, who's a very, very big Talmud Chacham, a real chassid, a real, a, a very, very, very unique and special uh, tzaddik of a yid. And his name is Moshe Dov Be'er Ben 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 Arav Ben Sion. Harav Moshe Dov Be'er Ben Arav Ben Ben Sion. His yard site is tonight, the 18th of Cheshvan. May he have a big alias neshama. And a, a, a devoted Talmud like yours, a, a Talmud is deeper than a child, as it says. So may he look out for you and share a lot, a lot of brachas with you. And to all of his Talmudim, the people who came to America and founded yeshivas, there's no end to the fruits and the fruits of the fruits of their, of their labor. So may all this be a big schosfer's neshama, higher and higher, and much bracha to all of us. All right, so we did the dedications. Tonight's class... After all that, hopefully we'll have a, an exciting class. And it really is an exciting class. The class is Parsha in my life. And generally people like to identify with the Parsha as something personal that inspires you in your life. We have classes, most of our classes are like that. And then from time to time there's a class that's just an eye-opener and hopefully, you know, is more than just a detail in a person's life, but rather is a reorientation and it sets the stage for an understanding and appreciation of of movement and of, of where things are heading, where things are going. I've discussed so many times in previous classes that we are living in the, in the Messianic era. We are entering into Messianic time. The fact that it didn't happen yet um, is not in any way a any minimalization in the, in, the, in, 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 in the Indian. It's happening. It's happening big time. And anybody with a little bit of ears, open ears and eyes that is hearing what's going on and seeing is sensing that the Giula is upon us. And, you know, it's, it, with all of our talk and talk and talk, it's still going to catch us by surprise. And it's going to happen much faster than anybody think it could happen. It's really upon us. And what we are, when we're looking around, you can notice and you will see that very, very, very major forces of Klippa are falling. There's a lot of powerful, um, 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 powerful, infrastructures of the unholy that are crashing and clumbering in front of our eyes. And we're living in California, living in Hollywood, we see what's going on. It's all coming down, all the sheker, all the lies, because as it says, the Navi says when Mashiach will come, everything will become crystal clear. That means all this, all the garbage that people have hid and so on and so forth, pretend to be righteous and pretend to be this, will, it will all be revealed of what's really going on. And we're seeing that. We're seeing the clip of falling. And I think it's just the tip of the iceberg of what we're still going to see uh, happening. And major things are happening. So for us, we have to, it's not so much about the negative. We have to focus on the positive. We have to focus on preparing ourselves for the new life that's coming our way, and that is the life of Mashiach. Now in Judaism, when we speak about Mashiach, it's not just a time of good times. And of course, Personally, it means we're all going to be really tuned into God, and we're all going to be really, 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 really much better Jews. 
we're going to be so deeply connected. We're going to learn. We're going to dive in with all of our heart and soul. We're finally going to experience Hashem in a very real way. We're going to experience intense love of Hashem, fear of Hashem. We're going to have such wisdom, Torah knowledge, such expansive knowledge. It's going to be unbelievable. And of course, all of our aches and pains and problems will disappear. Right? All going to go away. And we're going to live in a very, very time, in a time of great goodness, of great wealth, prosperity, peace, tranquility. But, 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 but it's much more than that. You see, the main difference of the life that it is now in the life of Mashiach is on a global scale as well. It's not just private, private, but also on a global scale. We're, our Yiddishkeit that we've gotten so accustomed to is just a tiny little minuscule sliver of Judaism. We're not really seeing Judaism for its, what Judaism really is. It's not just about a bunch of private people doing Torah and mitzvahs. It's about a nation. It's about a people living in our homeland and establishing a home for God, a presence for the Shekhinah. And when Mashiach comes, it's not just about a nation living in a homeland, but that nation and that people being the light for all the nations of the world. We're talking about a global presence of, the, of, of, of Jewish, Jewish belief and, and, and our and monotheism and belief in Hashem Echad, and all the nations of the world being guided by the Jewish people to serving God. So, so much of that, of this observance of a Jewish people as a people in a Beis Amigdash with a Jewish king, with, all of that is just, tot- it's, it's so foreign, so foreign to observant Jews, so far from the mind. Everything is about, okay, you know, like, you know we, we, we learn a little more Torah, I get a little bit of this, and I give a little tzedakah. Of course, that's what makes it happen. It's these little mitzvahs that we do. But we still have to also have a very broad vision and realize that Yiddishkeit is, is we, we, our, our experience of Yiddishkeit is not, is not what it really is at all. We're living in a very narrow experience of, of, of the Jewish experience. So uh, one of the most important elements of the coming of Mashiach is the concept of a Jewish king, of a, of a malchus, of, of a Jewish king in a Jewish homeland. And that kingdom is going to be the kingdom of the descendant of King David, as we know as Mashiach Tzedkenu. And he's going to be the, the, the leader of, of the entire world, I'm sure the leader of the Jewish people. And of course, the greatness of Mashiach and all that, we don't have to discuss. It, it, it's going to be like, you know, the Rambam says, Mashiach Tzedkenu is a Navi close to Moshe Rabbeinu. No one can exceed Moshe Rabbeinu in prophecy. But in terms of wisdom, and according to Kabbalah and, Chas, and Hasidus, in terms of soul quality, he far surpasses Moshe Rabbeinu even. Even Adam Arishon before the sin. We're talking about a human being like the likes that the world has never seen. And, 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 and his regality and so on and so forth. Um, this week's Torah portion is related to the Malchus based David. It's connected. What's the connection of this week's parasha with, with David and Melch? Anybody that studies the Haftorah. So what we're going to do is I'd like to share with you the Haftorah this week. And it's all about King David um, assuring that there will be a continuity of his kingdom, of his Malchus. The Malchus of David being passed on to Shlomo HaMelech, which is, that's really the beginning of Malchus of Mashiach, as, as that's the channel through which God's kingship through the, through the Jewish kings will be finally manifest in Mashiach. So I'm going to read to you the Haftorah, and the connection between the Haftorah and the Parsha is, in, on the simplest of levels, both Parsha and the Haftorah are talking about um, a tzaddik, a great leader, nearing the end of his life and assuring what's going to be after him. 
So Avram Avinu, Avram Zakein Zakeinim, or uh, it says, no, this week it says actually, Avram Zakein, Avram becomes old, Baba Yamim, and he's beginning to think about the future, what's going to happen after him. So right away you see that he's getting busy with Yitzchak to make sure that Yitzchak is going to get married and Yitzchak will be able to be a father of the great nation. And you see how much Avram, the efforts that Avram Avinu puts into it, he goes out all the way to make sure that Yitzchak is going to marry the white, right wife so they can be father of the great nation. But, so that's what you have in the parish. And the same you have, the opening of the Haftorah speaks about how King David became old. That David HaMelech was, was Zakein, and it, says, it discusses his end of his life, and how in his life as well, at that moment, it was brought to his attention. He himself didn't come up with it. We'll see in the story that it was brought to his attention because something was done that was challenging the future of David's, of Shlomo Melech's kingship. And David HaMelech does whatever he needs to do to assure that Shlomo HaMelech, Solomon, Shlomo HaMelech is going to take over and be the future king. So that's the parallel between the Haftorah and the Parsha. But if you take a look a little deeper, it's more than that. In both cases, in, in, in the Haftorah and in the Parsha, th- there is a contestant to the heir of the, of the like by, by Avram Avinu, there's Yishmael. And there's other children to Avram. And it has to be de- decided who is going to be the, the um, who is going to be the Yoresh? Who is going to be the heir to, to David Amel? Who is going to be, where is, I'm sorry, to Avram Avinu, where is going to be Avram's continuity as his, the chosen one of God? Who is it going to, in which, in which line of Avram Avinu is it going to be? So you see in the, in the parish, you see, first of all, you see when Avram gets old, he busies himself with Yitzchak, not with any of his other children. And then you also see that Avram has many more children. He remarries um, Hagar, Keturah, and she's, Rashi says she's Hagar, he has, he has children, but what do you see? The Pasuk emphasizes very strongly that Avram sends them off. They shouldn't even think for one second that they are the ones that are the ones that are, carry the covenant with God. And even regarding to Yishmael, so first of all you have Yishmael himself doing tshuva in the end of this week's Torah portion, where Yishmael allows Yitzchak to go before him, where Yishmael admits, maybe just for a moment, but for that moment, Yishmael admitted that Yitzchak is the primary ch- child, of, even though Yitzchak is the younger one. And in, in addition to that, you have the Torah tells us briefly about how Yishmael went in and built himself an empire. And he has these 12 chiefs, but it's kind of away. It's not the story of Avram anymore. The Torah tells us about Yishmael's uh, um, um, infrastructure. Yishmael goes and builds himself up his 12 uh, Nesim princes, and that's it, that's the story of Yishmael. And then we get back to the development of the Jewish people. So again, it's like Yishmael is being spit out. And uh, so that's in the parish. Now we know that this idea of choosing the Jewish people, Am HaNifchar, the chosen people, and that the, cho- and the, the, and that the chosen people is Dafka Yitzchak, is something very, very deep by God because it's something that the Abishter has chosen. This is very, very personal, as we're going to see in the end of tonight, today's class. This is something that God chooses just because He chooses. And when He chooses something, it's, it's a choice coming from a very essential place. So what do you see? Avram is choosing his descendant, making, assuring the heir that his, the continuation of the Jewish people coming through Yitzchak, and he's choosing his younger son, not his older son. 
Okay? It's actually Hashem made that choice. But again, it's being assured Yitzchak was the younger son and not the older son. So exact same thing happens in the Haftorah. In the Haftorah we have that David HaMelech is reaching the end of his life and he's going to assure... And Now the question is who's going to be the next king? Who's going to be crowned after him? So initially, David HaMelech made an oath to Bathsheba that her child would be the anointed one. He, swore, he made an oath to her, he made a shavua, the Jewish king. So this happened way earlier, that from when Shlomo Melech was born, he was born as the crown prince. However, before David Melech's life, at the end of his life, another son of David Melech, his name was Adoniyo. So Adoniyo, who was an older brother, not from the same mother, and uh, he thought that, you know, his father is old, and this is a good chance to kind of... Uh, get the Jewish people to be to, to follow him and he, he can and the reason he thought that way the Gemara says was, the, was because he was very very good I mean he must have been a great man he's a son of David Melech, right so he was a great man but in addition to that he was extremely good looking he had the royalty he had that the looks and all of that and it was the same like his other brother Avishalom who also thought he would be king because of his looks so Adonio uh, went and um, kind of self-proclaimed himself as king in the days of his father and he got um, others, major people, to join him. So first of all, he had, it says, he had 50 men running before him. In addition to that, he had some of the big, big machers, the big, big, big guys who kind of followed him. He had with him Yoav, I think it was. Um, yeah, Yoav, the great general, King David's general, went and joined Adonio, and Aviyasar the Kohen. Another one was Aviyasar, Aviyasar was the Kohen Gadol. He was the high priest. So Adonio had the popular vote, like the people following him. So meanwhile, word comes to um, um, the Navi. Uh, his name was Nasan Hanavi. He was the one who initially came to prophesy that Shlomo HaMelech should be the king after, David HaMelech, after David's passing. So he comes to Bathsheba, David's wife, and he tells her, oh, sorry, not one part. They went and they made a big, they went down to a certain place and they made some kind of a celebration that would kind of commemorate this, this that would be like a celebration to a, a, a mini coronation of Adinoyahu as a king. And they invited, well, it was a party taking place in a certain valley. While this was happening, the Navi comes to Bathsheba, David's wife, and he tells her about it. He says, you know that Adinoyahu self-proclaimed himself as king and he has a whole following happening. But he didn't call me, the, the Navi, he didn't call uh, Tzaddik, the Kohen Gadol, and he also didn't call uh, the, the, I forgot already, I mentioned, Shlomo. Shlomo wasn't invited, and so on and so forth. So therefore, she says, and she says, okay, so what do I do now? He says, go to the king, David HaMelech, to your husband, David, and petition him, and tell him what's going on, and ask him to do something on your behalf because he made a promise and he has to keep his promise. And I'm going to come after you go initially, I'm going to come and back you up. So this is what happened. So she goes to David Amelech and she tells him this news. David didn't know about it, that Adinio kind of made himself king. And she says to him, if you're not going to take a stand now and declare openly of who really should be the king and be on the throne in your place, then... You know, after the after Chas v'Shalom, you pass away, it's finished. You know, it's going to be, or it's going to be very difficult at that time to be able to establish the kingdom. So she asks her husband. Meanwhile, 
Okay, but yeah, yeah, yeah he will King Shlomo. So David, and then David HaMelech came, I'm sorry, and then Nasan Hanavi comes in, and he supports her, and so on and so forth, and David HaMelech makes an oath to her that he is going to, um, that he makes a, a shvua again, he swears to her again, that her son David Shlomo HaMelech is going to be king. At this point is where the Haftorah is over. Okay? Now if you continue, this is the first chapter in Malachim, in Kings, first chapter Malachim Aleph, is this story. Then the Pasuk continues, and the verse says, now again, we don't read the Haftorah any further in our communities, that's according to the Rambam, our communities are that way. There are those who actually read further in the Haftorah, but we'll, we'll speak about that in a moment. The, Haftor, the, the Navi continues and said that after she leaves, and she proclaims, okay, the Navi concludes with her proclamation, long live the King David, long live David HaMelech, Yechi Adoni HaMelech David Leolam, that David HaMelech shall live forever. And then, the next story, as the story continues, is that David HaMelech c- uh, um, commands the Kohen Gadol, uh, tzad, uh, um, tzad, the Tzaddik the Kohen, and Nasan Anavi, and whatever. He tells the people that they should go down with Shlomo Melech. They should ride him on the king's, uh, it says a Preda, Preda is a, I guess it's a young horse. They should ride him down, on which with only a king would be allowed to ride on it. So they should make a public demonstration that Shlomo Melech is king. Not only that, they should take him down, I think it was to the river Gichon, which is the river, and they should over there anoint him with the Shem and Amishra. So he told the Kohen Gadol to go into the Beis Amigdash, into the Holy of Holies, because by, no, there was no Beis Amigdash that there was then the, in Ir David, where, where, where the Mishkan was. He should go in and get the Shem and Amishra, the anointed oil, which is right by the Ark, and take it down, and also make it very public. And everybody should come. They took him down to the, to the Gihon River, and over there, Shlomo HaMelech was anointed to be king. Okay? That's the story. Then when he comes back, there was such a parade, and there was such noise, such a commotion, everybody was celebrating Shlomo HaMelech officially being made king. Meanwhile, the other party is going down, you know, around the corner in the valley, and they hear noise, and they hear something's going on, but they didn't know anything about it. And finally, the Kohen Gadol's son the son of Aviyasar, the other, the old Kohen, the ex-Kohen, who was with him, is, is, coming, is, coming, to, is coming to bring news. And uh, Adenio asks him, so, it looks like, so you're bringing me good news. So he says, no, I'm sorry, uh, that, I'm sorry to tell you that the news that I'm giving you you're not gonna, is not really the best of news. And he tells him that all the noise that's going on, exactly what happened. That David HaMelech went, and, in his, and they had Shlomo HaMelech appointed king in the lifetime of David HaMelech, that Shlomo HaMelech was now be made king. And he got terrified because this would have been an act. The fact that he proclaimed himself king. First of all, everybody ran away. Everybody was scared. So everybody left. He was deaf there. And he was scared that he would now be held accountable, that he was like treason and the king was a murder of Melch. He, 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 he rebelled against the king. So he ran for safety and he went and he held on to the Mizbeach, to the altar. Because from there he felt that he'll be safe for whatever reason. So then Shlomo HaMelech had him come before him. And he sent a message to Shlomo HaMelech to say that, you know what, I'm basically, I'm, I'm submissive to you, I'm, I'm willing to, so Shlomo HaMelech, and please don't kill me, Shlomo HaMelech called him, and Shlomo HaMelech basically told him, as long as you behave, I, I'm not going to harm even one tiny hair from you. That's basically the story. And that's the end of this kind of almost revolt against Shlomo HaMelech. David HaMelech kind of nipped it in the bud by appointing Shlomo as a king. That's the story. The question that I have to you today is if we're, um, comparing the Haftorah to the, the Haftorah to the Parsha, it's a little strange that in the Parsha, 
we find that here too, you know, it's clarified who's going to be the, the heir, and that is going to be Yitzchak, who's going to be the heir to the Jewish people. But you have in the parish itself a, something about Avraham dies, Avraham passes away, and it says that God comes to visit Yitzchak and he blesses him and so on and so forth. So you have, even though the main story of Yitzchak will continue in the next parish, the elder tells us Yitzchak and Avram, but you have a continuation of actualizing this promise that Yitzchak will be keeping Yitzchak, Yikar Lachazar, the Yitzchak. It says it in the parish. In the Haftorah, we kind of stop right when David makes the promise that Avshalom will continue. He could have just continued a few more psukim and given us the actualization of Shlomo Melech becoming a Melech. It's interesting that, you know, the Haftorists are very accurate. It's not Stam that someone decided to write something. When Chazal institutes something, it's perfect. So if they're having a narration in the Parsha and a narration in the Haftorah, we would have expected that the narration should be similar. And, and, and it is similar. And if it's so similar, why not just give you a few extra psukim? And the truth is there are a few more psukim over there that, that again, there are some opinions according to different communities. You don't even find it in the, Chum, in the, Chum, in the Chumash. That there, but there are communities that did say further, but again, the custom for most people is not to say any further, and we need to understand why the Haftorah was cut off right at this point. If it's Me'en parsha, why is it cut off at this point? And again, sometimes by understanding why something was not put in, that itself is a, is a very big lesson and teaches us a lot. Um, now, so to understand this, I'd like to ask another very, very important question, very powerful question. And that is regarding... <coughs> regarding... Um, the Mefarshim, the Malbim, and the Metsudais, Metsudais David, the Malbim, and others, it's clear from, they state openly that when Shlomo Melech was appointed king, it wasn't just a designation that Shlomo was going to be king after David the Melech passes away. The Metsudais, was one of the great commentaries on the Navi and the Malbim, say clearly that Shlomo Melech was actually made a Melech. He actually was a king. Now he's king. That means he became king in the lifetime of his father. He actually became king. And you see that in the, in, he, 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 the, 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 the Malbim says it, that that's what uh, the son of the Kohen was telling, was, telling, um, was telling Avshalem, that he emphasizes over there that he said to him, Hayom, today, Meh Hayom, from today, that David HaMelech said, from today, he's a king. That means you shouldn't think it's going to happen later. If it was going to happen later, you know, it gives him an idea that maybe he can still contest it because David will die and then he'll squeeze himself in. He'll, no, he says to him, it's already established right now and he's actually Melech. And not only that, the reason why he was so scared that he was, that, that he, that he, that he, for his life, because he was a Moreid Bamalchus. And if you're a Morid Bamalchus, means you're, you're, you're liable for treason against the king. You rebelled against the king. And who was he rebelling? It wasn't a rebellion against King David. It was a rebellion against Shlomo Melech. That's showing you that Shlomo Melech was considered Mamish Amelech already during that time. The problem with that is, the problem with to say, if we're going to say that Shlomo Melech was actually appointed a king, will lead us to a big dilemma. What's the dilemma? The Gemara tells us in Masech Shabbos an interesting thing. The Gemara says that, Shlom, that David HaMelech says to God at a certain point, David HaMelech says to God, Hoidi'eni um, Hashem Kitsi. Please God, notify me my end. I want to know how long I'm going to live. And Hashem says that's private business. I don't tell anybody how long they're going to live. So David HaMelech says at least, David HaMelech says at least tell me the day I'm going to die. If you don't tell me when, but at least I should know which day in the week am I going to die. So Hashem says to, Shlo, to David HaMelech, that I'll tell you. And he says to him, you're going to pass away on a Shabbos. 
So David Melech starts bark, like says to Hashem, he says, I don't want to die in a Shabbos. Rashi, I mean, Rashi, the Gemara doesn't say that he said this, but Rashi, Rashi explains, he doesn't want to die in a Shabbos because when you die, someone passes away in a Shabbos, you can't, you can't do anything with the body until Matzah Shabbos because a, uh, right? a deceased person, Muktzah, whatever, you can't move the body on Shabbos. So you can't bury him. Definitely can't do a burial. And we also know that it's the best for a person to be buried the quicker possible. So David HaMelech said, can't I pass away on a Sunday? Let's move it to Sunday. I like Sundays better. I'd like to die on a Sunday. So Hashem says to David HaMelech, I can't do that. Because there is a rule that one kingdom cannot touch another kingdom. In my, whenever it's destined that Shlomo HaMelech should begin his Malchus, that the reign of King Solomon has arrived, then immediately you can't, they can't, be, you, you can't overlap. So therefore, since Shlomo HaMelech's kingdom is destined to start on a Shabbos, if you're going to live until Sunday, you're going to be encroaching as a king, you're going to be encroaching on your son's Malchus. And therefore, you're going to overlap. And therefore, you can't die in a sal and have to take your life on Shabbos. So David HaMelech says to Hashem, Oy, so maybe let me die on a Friday. Let's make it a little earlier. I'll die. Let Shlomo HaMelech start his kingdom a little earlier. And I'll, I'll, I'll pass away. And we won't overlap. I'll pass away on a Friday. So Hashem says to David HaMelech an amazing answer. He says, it is more precious to me, the, your Torah study, than all the thousand sacrifices that, the king, that your son will, will, will offer. Meaning to say, even though Shlomo HaMelech's kingship was of such grandeur and of such wealth, and in many ways he exceeded his father's glamour and power and kingdom, much was, was on a greater scale than David HaMelech. And it probably it's spiritually in the aspect of Malchus, it's possible as well, because everything in the physical reflects the spiritual. But the Abishta says, as great as that kingship is, but Torah study is more important to me. And therefore, David HaMelech was a tzaddik who didn't stop learning Torah. And Hashem said, if, you, if I take you away a, day, away a day earlier, I'm going to be lacking your Torah study of one day. And therefore, I'd rather you study Torah and, and Shlomo HaMelech wait his turn when it's time for Shlomo HaMelech. So then the Gemara continues and tells us how King David actually passed away on Shabbos, whole story. But it, actually the Gemara does say that there was, there was a problem with his body. He fell, he fell by the steps. And it was a problem, and Shlomo HaMelech sends to the rabbis, how can, I, how can I deal with my father's body? He was afraid that the dogs would come and attack the body. A whole story. Uh, they tell him what to do. But okay, that's a separate thing. But what do you see from here? That, that one kingdom can't touch another kingdom. And, and not only does it say, it says it about Shlomo, that Shlomo cannot be a king at the same time like David HaMelech is a Melech. But here in the Navi, it seems to imply that not only were they a king overlapping one day, I don't know how long... It could have been a month or two or three. I don't know exactly how much, David, how much, how much prior to David HaMelech's life this anointment of Shlomo HaMelech happened with the Shem and HaMishcha, which as we said earlier, Shlomo HaMelech was appointed to actually, not just potentially be a king, but actually be a Melech. And, and we also know the rule, you know, when we, and this takes us back to the story of the beginning of creation. Everybody knows this, that when the, the reason why the moon was made smaller is because the moon complained to God, and it set a rule. Two kings cannot be a rule at the same time, can't use the same, the same crown, which means there can't be two kings. There can't, why? Because a king is an absolute authority. So you can't have two... Ap- I'm going to think. No, I'm saying, but you can't, of course I recorded. There can't be two absolute powers at the same time, 
Why can't there be two absolute powers? Because when you're a king means what you say is, that's the decree of the king is. But if there's another king who has absolute power, then it's possible that what one will say is not absolute, right? So you can't have two kings at the same time. One melech, like Rashi says somewhere else, daber echad lador, one one spokesman for the, for the generation, which means one leader, one authority, one absolute authority to the generation, and not two absolute authorities. So if that's the case, so it's clearly that way. It can't be two kings. So how do we come up with such a, such a phenomenon? We end up with David HaMelech and Shlomo HaMelech both being kings. Now the truth is, I do have to share with you, that the word kings who appointed their children in their lifetime, there were kings who appointed their children on their lifetime. I'll tell you who they are. Yoshafat appointed his son Yoram in his lifetime, I think for two years to be a king. Ahaziyahu um, was king in the life of Yehoram, his father. Uziyahu was a king in the lifetime of, of, of Amtsiyahu. So you do have people who were kings during in the life of their parent, but there's a fundamental difference. Over there, the father stepped down for the son to be king. For whatever reason, the father was ill. There were certain situations where a person couldn't actualize and be a king. So they stepped off to make room for their, for their, for their son or whatever it is to take, to take the position of leadership. But you didn't have a poyal mamish in the literal sense, two kings actually being king at the same time. And, and Mepharshim actually say an interesting thing, that it's similar to the concept... It's like, you know, the, 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 the son is, 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 is having Yerusha. He's taking possession of his father's, of his father's, uh, uh, of his father's authority in the lifetime of his father. See, one of the most important things to understand about kingdom and kingship, as we're going to talk about it soon, is that it is something that goes over to your children. It's, it's passed on. It's a Yerusha. Yerusha means it's an inheritance. It's not something, you know, when, when, a person, when a person dies and he's a king, and we're going to see soon in the Ramam, the Ramam says every authoritative position that a person is given a certain authority or a certain important position, it naturally goes over to their children as long as the children are generally worthy for that position. So, but that's only after a person dies. Is it possible to have Yerusha during a person's lifetime? So there's an interesting halacha. There's a Chuvis Rajba. The Rajba was the great Arishonim. It's brought in Shulchan Aruch. What happens if you have a chazin in a shul? A person who's known to be a shliach tzibor. He's the chazan. For every year, he davens always for the Ahmed. Then people have to realize there are certain rights to that. When a person is a chazan, say so he's the chazan. Fine. In this shul. Obviously, if he reaches a point where his voice is not, uh, is not uh, then he has to uh, you know, clear, clear for someone else or whatever. But generally, this person is known to be the shliach tzibor and the chazan. So what happens if he's turning old? So the halacha is that he can call his son to take his place as long as his son is also a chazan. And the son can take before anybody else. And it's Bedin Yerusha. So here you see, meaning Yerusha, it's called an inheritance. So you see there is a concept of inheritance in the life of, of a person. Not in regards to monetary things, but in regards to certain appointments that a person positions, that a person, a position of power, a position of leadership, it's something that goes over and could be given to the child. But in those cases, the father steps off and the son takes over. He gives it over to the son. Over here, you're talking about something else. You're talking about father and son being simultaneously a king at the same time. That's a very big chiddush. 
Where do we find something like that? And how can that be that seems to contradict the rule that you can't have two malachim, you can't, can't have two kings being king at the same time? Now, interesting, I will say something. The Gemara says, is, the Gemara brings in Mesech the Sanhedrin a contradiction about regarding the days of Mashiach. In Yechezkel, in Ezekiel, it says, um, an interest, it says that the David Avdi Nasi Lahem Olam, that David, King David, my servant, is going to be the Nasi, is going to be the leader of the Jewish people forever and ever. So the Gemara says, there's a Pasuk in Yermio, where it says, it says that the Jewish people will serve their, their God, which means serve Hashem, the Es Malcolm and their king, that's David Malcolm and, da, and David their king, Asher Okim Lohem, that I will establish for them. So the Gemara says, it seems like it's a new David, Asher Okim, that not, that it's not the old King David, it's a new David. The Gemara asks a question. In one passage, it seems to be saying that who's going to be Mashiach, who's going to be the king of the Jewish people after Mashiach, it's King David. Then it says it's going to be a new David. The Gemara says, which one is it? So the Gemara answers, not a question. They will rule in unison. And the Gemara says it's like Kaiser or Palgi Kaiser. That means one will be an absolute ruler, and the other one will be like Mishnah Lamelech, like secondary in command, like Yosef was to Pharaoh. A second. So Mashiach is going to be the ultimate king, and David Lamelech will be like the top minister or the, 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 the half a king. So we can... So you see the concepts exist. So we might say that about David and Shlomo during that short period that one was a king, probably David was the Melech, and, um, and Shlomo was the, the, the you call it the, 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 the viceroy. But you can't, it doesn't seem to be saying that because it's mashma. I mean, we don't see that, 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 that either of them was a Shani Lamelech. I'll be this. It says they were both kings. Now again, and I, I never showed you, Really, you, could, you might say that David Amelech actually stepped down and he wasn't, he wasn't a Melech anymore in the end of his life. But that's, that would be very, 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 very difficult for us to accept. That one Shlom Amelech, not only that, in Divrei Hayamim, you, you see it clearly, there's another place in Navi, in Divrei Hayamim, in the Chronicles, where it describes that they had a second coronation for Shlom Amelech. A second coronation, a second anointment. This time all the Jewish people were there. And David HaMelech himself is administering it. And he's actually speaking, he's speaking about, he's handing over to David HaMelech, to Shlomo HaMelech, the, 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 um, the, uh, about the Beis HaMikdash and the, uh, the, the, the plans that he had prepared for the Beis HaMikdash and the like. So you see clearly, and the, and, and the Malbim says over there, from the Pesukim over there, and so the Abarbanel, that David HaMelech was clearly an actual king until he, was, until he passed away. So this is all leading us to the question, how can we have two kings being a Melech? And the answer to that is, just a very, very special idea. And that is as follows. If you take a look at Rambam, in the Laws of Kings, so we look in chapter 1 in Maimonides, the Laws of Kings, um, Halacha, Halacha Zion, the seventh Halacha. The Ramam over here talks about, about once a king is anointed, anointed, that it passes on to his children after him. So he says, Once you appoint a king, He merits, he becomes king and his children for all generations. Every king, when you appoint a king as a king, it's not just for himself. He acquires kingship for his, for his, uh, for his children. Shamalchus Yerushalayim. Because Malchus, Rambam says, is a Yerusha. It's an inheritance. And he brings a Pasuk. Fine. Then the Rambam continues. And it's not only kingship. 
It's every appointment. Any type of governorship. The And every appointed that someone is appointed in a certain position, it's a Yerusha to him and his children. Fine. A condition, the son has to be filling his father's shoes in wisdom and in fear of God. Fine. But then the Rambam says, in the same halacha, here this, Kivan Shanim Shach David, once King David became king, Zacha, he merited Bekeser Malchus, he now merited the crown of kingship. And the kingdom goes to him and his kosher children, legitimate children, uh, forever and ever. And your throne will be forever. The question of Farshim asks is a simple question over here. What's the emphasis over here that the Rambam is saying? Once David became Melech, David now achieved and became king, and it's for him, for his children, forever and ever. I mean, the Rambam said that about all people who become king, and all, because we know that there were other kings aside David Melech. After David Melech's son Shlomo passed away, after the second generation, the third generation, the Jewish empire split in half. There was the Malchus based David, who reigned over two, two Shvatim, two and a half tribes. And the rest was the Taseris Shvatim, that another king from the Shevet of Ephraim, Yeravim ben Avat, and then descendants. And for the rest of the Jewish uh, time of the first base Amigdash, the Jews were in Eretz Yisrael, the kingdom was split until the Taseris Shvatim were exiled, until the ten tribes were exiled. But whatever, for many years, right? But that, the rule that a king is a king and his children have it is by all kings. Why is Rambam emphasizing that by David HaMelech, separately, once he became king, he is king and his children are king and so An answer you can give. One of the answers is possibly to give why there's a special emphasis on King David. Because you can say as follows. All other kings, even though essentially they have an inheritance that is given to them and they can be kings forever, it's not necessarily that it's going to materialize. It's possible that first of all they won't have children. It's possible. You know, the king becomes king and doesn't have a child. Or even if he has a child, it's possible the child will die and, he won't, and then he won't have the child. Or it's possible the child will not be worthy to be the king. So there are many things that can happen. So there's no guarantee that this line of kingship will, will last forever. And, and as, as the facts are, those other kingdoms fizzled out and they're not here anymore and they, not, and they will not return. David HaMelech has a promise from God that his kingship is going to last forever, that the descendants of Malchus based David are first of all never going to be wiped out. There's always going to be a line, a bloodline of royal blood flowing through the Jewish people through one family that's going to continue even through the most, through all the persecutions and all that. There's always going to be that, that and not only that, and there will always be someone worthy that the Malchus of Beis David should be able to carry through forever and ever. Eventually it will be restored when Mashiach will come. So we can say that's the emphasis. When Rambam says in the end that Malchus Beis David is Li'olam, he means that over here it's not just a, a, a potential um, um, kingship that lasts forever. It's actual that he will have a child. The problem why we cannot say that, the reason why that's not a, is not a sufficient answer, is because that very same idea that that David Amelech, that David Amelech has a promise that his king that he will be king forever. Rambam says that in a separate halacha in halacha tes. Hear these words of Rambam: Malchus based David dim That the kings, the the, the, the kings of King David, they're the ones that stand forever. ad olam. That your throne is going to be forever. If there will ever be appointed a king from other Jews, 
even though they have it as an inheritance, it will be interrupted. It says clearly, I'm making you king, but not forever. So this idea that by David HaMelech, he has a promise from Hashem that it's going to last forever, is stated independently in another halacha in Rambam. So the Rambam wouldn't be saying the same thing twice. Another thing is, it seems that since the Rambam puts it in the laws of Yerusha, is that it's not just a technical thing, that it happens to be that the Abishter tells David that your kingdom will last forever. But that's an intrinsically embedded in the element of Yerusha, which means like this, that the inheritance of Malchus Beis David, of the kingship of David HaMelech, is different essentially than the inheritance of the passing on of authority that goes from parent to child in all other appointments. There is something unique that the Rambam is telling you over here, something very, very different, essentially different, in this passing of Malchus. And the idea is the secret one idea, and this will answer everything. It's very, very special. And this is really, really important for us to fundamentally understand. The Rambam says, Kivan Shezacha David, Nimshach David, Rambam says an interesting word, Zacha Bekeser Malchus. When David HaMelech was appointed king, he, was, he merited in the royal crown. The crown. Now, all kings wore crowns. But the idea of Keser Malchus, this went to David HaMelech. So what does that mean? This went to King David. What does it mean, Keser Malchus? Keser Malchus means like this. You see, there's two types of Malachim. There's two types of, being, of kings. There are kings that are kings in actuality. What is a king? A king is an authoritative figure. And he obviously as an authoritative figure, he has to be in a position of authority. And how do we do that? He needs to have wealth. He needs to, everybody has to listen to him. And there are rules and regulations. And anybody who disobeys him is liable to be punished even by death, even for the slightest violation of not following what the king commands. He has to have absolute authority. He has to have lots of servants. And he has, we said earlier, he has a lot of money because it gives him power. It gives him prestige. He's not going to have too much money, more than he needs. Okay, there's mitzvahs regarding that and so on and so forth. And that, and what does he do? He assures the country runs. He fights the battles of God. And he fights the battles for the people. He takes care of the people and so on and so forth. And he's like their shepherd. He takes care of the people. They're, they're loyal to him. Fine. But all of that is just what we call actual governing. That's actual governing. That's manifesting the malchus. Being a king, being a leader, being, being the ruler, having that, um, that reign or that, that power, that sovereignty over the people. But then there is something else, and that's called someone who essentially is a king. Essentially a king means that there is some thing extraordinary about this person and that is a certain regality a certain royalty something that takes this human being and makes him a cut above the rest which means and way above above the rest because there's something about this person that is that is mouth and really here's what it is it's 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 something that is given by Hashem it's a godly thing but really what it really is because God is a king because the Abishter is a Melech, and God is a ruler over all over creation, and he's essentially, essentially higher, transcendent, above all of creation, and has absolute power over all over the creation. That's Hashem's kingship and Hashem's power. Hashem gives of that regality and of that power to a certain human being. And that human being has that in his soul, they have this elevated, that elevation, it's, 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 it, you know what it would be like? 
it's like a power of charisma, but not when you say it's, it's malchus is associated with charisma, but you're dealing over here with you know, 10,000 luminous of charisma. <laughs> there's a certain powerful, there's a certain powerful charisma and a powerful magnetic pull. People see this human being and they're enthralled by this person. They want to be subservient to him. They want to, they want to follow. They see him as the dreamer of their dreams, of the person who has vision, the person who has power, as leadership, who's obviously... The real king has to be a perfect tzaddik. And there's absolutely no arrogance. There's no gaiva. This doesn't give him a certain sense of, of, of entitlement of, on, personally. Because quite on the contrary, the king has to be the most humble of all people. Davon HaMelech, the reason why he was the king was because he looked at himself like a worm. Personally, he felt like the lowest person, like a nobody. But it was what really happened to Davon HaMelech is that God's attribute of kingship filled, came pouring into his soul. And when Hashem entered, so to speak, the God's attribute of kingship is embedded in Davon HaMelech. He's now ruling with God's kingship, not his own kingship. It's not him being a king. He's being a king on behalf of Hashem. That exaltedness, it's, it's what it is. It's a certain... That's why you know in monarchs throughout history, they always believe that the monarch has given a certain divine power. And the, and, and the reason why they're thinking that way is because essentially to a true Jewish king, it really is a godly manifestation in the nefesh of the melech. And, and when someone has it, they're just a complete different type of person. And again, the, the, the power is in the power of, 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 of unifying. Everybody is behind them. There is a powerful, ex, like, like people are enthralled by this, by this leader. They sense the power emanating from him. And they, right? and they want to be part of, his, part of his people. It's a thing that, again, now, to the, to, throughout history, in a very, very chitzonius, they get chitzonius, they go away, which means in an external, external aspect of it, little drop of it went into other kings, even of non-Jewish people, and they had a little droplet of this regality, and that, that, that really did raise them up to, to be, to be, to be malach. And that's why you make a special bracha when you see a melech, because there is something there of this kingship. But it's only a very, very, very insignificant little drop of a drop. In Malchus based David, there is a real hislapshus of God's Malchus in there. That's the meaning of, of Keser Malchus. And what that means is, not it's a person acting like a king, behaving like a king, doing things like a king. Someone, this person is essentially a king. He's essentially an, a, an exalted, he's a, essentially a regal, exalted human being above the rest. And then he activates it by ruling and governing the people. But, he's, but he has it in his, that's what I'm saying, it's, it's something essential, it's something in his very being, it's something in his, in his, in his, at his core. It's who he is, not what he does. And that's the difference between the Malchus based David and all other kings. When there are other kings, the Ramam says clearly that when there is a Navi, the Navi could appoint a king from another tribe. Ramam says so clearly. But even when, hey, Ramam says in Allah Ches, hear these words, Navi Shehemid Melech Meshar Shifte Yisrael, if a prophet goes and appoints a king from other tribes, and if that king follows the ways of the Torah and the mitzvah, and he, fought, and he wages the war of God, he's a king. And all the laws of king apply to him. But the Ramam puts a stipulation, 
Afalpi David. The main kingship is to David. That means, even at the time that someone else is a king, in actuality, over, over, over a certain group of the Jewish people, for whatever reason, temporarily, they're only a king in, 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 in governing, in actual governing, but they don't have this mysterious regality and royalty that, that, that Malchus based David had. They just don't have it. They're behaving Malchus dig, but they're not, they act king, kingly, but they're not kings, essentially. A real Melech is someone who has Keser Malchus. Keser Malchus is something, and that's the reason why it's eternal. Let's understand why it's eternal. The reason why it's eternal is everything that, that, that you have that is not a behavior or a mannerism, but it's who you are at your essence will go over to your children. You know, a monkey will give birth to a monkey because a monkey is a monkey. And a, and a, but if a monkey wears, you know, is behaving like doing human tricks, the baby that they will have will not be born doing human things because it's not essential to the monkey to do that even though right now the monkey is behaving and doing things like a human. Because that's not, that's, not, that's not hereditary, that's not essential, that's not in their DNA, that's not in their genes to pass on over. So kings, so let's understand something. When, when another king who's not from Malchus based David, other kings, when another king we say that after they pass away, they pass it on to their children, it's, it's the same way, how do they pass it on to their children? Pass it on to the children the same way that they give their possessions to their children. Oh, the guy bought furniture. He has a car. So when the father dies, the child gets ownership of the car. It's transferred. Transferred from the father to the child. That's the idea of Yerusha. It's being given over. But just, and one of the things that goes over from parent to child is if the parent has an appoint, is an appointed, is appointed for something, has a certain, has a certain job, a certain leadership position and so forth, that too is transferred to his children. That's by everybody else, not by King David. When King David becomes a melech, when David Melech became a melech, God kind of dropped the malchus into his bones, into his essential DNA. So what happens to his children? His child is born a king. He has the malchus essentially embedded in his, in his core being. and doesn't have to receive it. Oh, it doesn't, see, doesn't mean that it's actually going to come to fruition. Why? Because if the king has many children... There's only going to be one that's going to be appointed Melech, right? So, but the essential kingship is given over because the father, David Melech, had it at his essence, has it at its core. It's interesting, Rambam, I'll share with you an interesting thing, in Sefer HaMitzvahs, in the laws of mitzvahs, in the mitzvah Shin Samach Beis, is the second to the last mitzvah when Rambam noted, tells us about mitzvahs. Rambam says, um, Keser Malchus Zacha by David. David has the Keser Malchus. So too his children in the end of all the generations. Ain Melech. There is no king. To someone who believes in the Torah of Moshe. The master of all prophets. Ella. So if you believe in the Torah, if you subscribe to, to, to Moshe's law, then you, are, then you know that there's no other king to the Jewish people. We'll talk about that. A little bit later, we get to that in a few moments. Why the emphasis of Shlomo's children as well? Anybody that's not from these this, these children, anichbad, leinian malchus. See, once David was established king, 
Any, any person that's not from this family, guess what the Ramam says? Nachri Karin in He's considered a stranger to kingship. It's like, for example, a non-Kohen to Kahuna. Kahuna is not something that you behave as a Kohen. Kahuna, the, the, the priestlyhood that's given to a Kohen, is running in the blood. It's in the very DNA of a Kohen. Today's days, they even found the Kohen gene. Right? I don't know. That, I'm not saying the Kohen gene is. It's probably just a symptom of Kahuna. That's not the cause of Kahuna. Not just probably. It's definitely. It's a soul thing. It's not a physical thing. But yet, there is something. There is something essential in a Kohen. Anybody that doesn't have it, you can learn a lot of Torah. You can go to the mikveh. You can you can do all kinds of refinements. You can sit and tovel in the mikveh like a billion times and to, and, and and do all kinds of mystical unions in God's names and so on. You can't make someone a Kohen. You can't be Kohen. Kohen, you're not born with it. David Melech is a king, essentially. His children are kings, essentially, after him. So they are Yoresh the Malchus, the Yerusha Atzmis, meaning an essential Yerusha. That's why the Ramam specifies by David Melech individually in the Halacha that when God, when he became a Melech, his children are kings. And it's for him and forever. It's a different Yerusha than everywhere else. Now we'll also understand this will make a difference in regards to during the lifetime of the father, if the son can be a king at the same time. Why will it make a difference? You see like this. If your kingdom is just a kingdom of behavior, of malchus meaning you're governing, that's your kingdom. Your, your governing is your outward projection of power and of governing. That can't be shared by two people. Because two people sharing that malchus, I'm the king or you're the king. Who has the... Who has... Who... Who establishes the law? Who gives a decree? Him or him? These two things cannot go together. But when you're having the essential essence of that essential malchus, where someone is a, the keser malchus, the essence of kingship, not the expression of kingship, but the essence of kingship is something that a father and a son could be together have. And let me explain how it happened by David HaMelech. You see, when Shlomo HaMelech was born, he was already born with this essential quality of kingship in him. As a little baby, he had it. But just because, as I mentioned earlier, just because you're born with it, doesn't mean it will ever come to fruition. And you can't even call that child a king. You can't, why? First of all, you never know which son it's going to go to. There's a few children. Number two, it's possible the son will die and he will never make it before the father. Sadly, King David, I think, had four children who died in his life, at least, that I see. I remember, uh, there was, um, what was his first son? The one, uh, Amnon, and Avshalom, and he had a son, Daniel, and now he had a son, Adonio. Okay, Daniel didn't die in his lifetime, but the three. Okay, and then, and then right? so you have, you have, it's possible, so you don't know. But, but, he's, but he has it, he has it in, in his bekoach, he has it in his essence. When David HaMelech went and he told his servants, uh, the, the Kohen Gadol, to take Shlomo HaMelech and to bring him down to the, to the river and to pour Shemen HaMishcha, anointing oil on his head, what David HaMelech accomplished and what David HaMelech did at that time was that he actualized that potential and he kind of made that regality emanate into the conscious realm, so to speak, of David HaMelech, of Shlomo HaMelech. So now Shlomo is... Is, is a melech. You see, he's born potential melech. Now he has it, but it's not necessarily, you can't call him a melech. He, he, he turned it on. Now he's a melech. But doesn't mean a king to decree. Doesn't mean to a king with authority, with rulership, with kingship powers. He is essentially a king right now. 
and, 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 but who's the, who's the actual runner? Who's the one who runs the government? Who is the actual, um, um, the, the, the one who has actual sovereignty over the land? That was only one king. And that's Davon HaMelech. And that's why you can't ask me a question. Two kings cannot utilize one crown. Why can't you ask that question? Utilizing the crown means signing edicts. Signing papers, signing laws into, into things, governing, decreeing. That means using the crown. You're using your malchus and actuality to govern. That you can't have, because we said before, you can't have two absolute powers. One, not the other. However, here we're not dealing with exercising the power. We're dealing with being a king, not, not, um, not performing kingly things, but being a king. Shlomo Melech and David Melech were able to be king at the same time. Or we can even say a little deeper, it's not even that they're both kings. They're both the same king. They're both one Indian of Malchus. Why? Because David's Malchus is an entity. It's, king, it's God's kingship. And it's something that's indivisible. It's a power of Malchus. And, and at that time, it was shining in these two people as father and son. It was, it was inhabiting both their souls. How do you see that? The Gemara says also something interesting in Masechtas Avodah The Gemara says that uh, the crown of David HaMelech only fit David HaMelech and anybody that's worthy to be a king of the descendants of David HaMelech. So whenever anybody wanted to make monkey business and try to proclaim himself a king, for example, Adoniyahu, they tried to put the crown on his head that didn't fit him. Call me the Kesar Malchus Holmesoy. Holmesoy means it fits on his head. That means that when, when anybody from the descendants of David the Melech became king, they didn't have a new crown. They wore King David's crown. That means it's one crown. It's not two separate things. It's the Indian of Malchus. Now it's by David. Then it went over to Shlomo. And then it was. That means that David and Shlomo, when, when they were both kings, they were both the same Malchus was now expressed. Oh, now, to, to actualize it, they couldn't do it at the same time. But to be... Two kings, they can be kings at the same time. That's how we understand the smallest. Now, we will connect it, as we said, back to the... Once we've established that the kingship of David HaMelech is an essential quality that's in King David and then passed on to his children, and it's this high godly, godly regality the ultimate, ultimate fruition and the ultimate manifestation of that Malchus on levels much higher than ever before and even by King David is of course going to be Mashiach Tzedkein. And that's why the Raman writes in his Pirisha Mishnah how the king, our Mashiach, is going to be a king far greater than David, far greater than Shlomo Melech. It's amazing. Ramam, you look up in his Pirisha Mishnah, it makes an, an unbelievable description about Mashiach's kingdom and how it's going to be superior to ever before. Meaning, what does it really mean? It's not just his external power. It means that transcendence of Moshiach in him enveloping or being a channel for the Eberster's Malchus flowing through him is going to be a Moshiach unlike anyone else. Now, however, there's a very important thing, and that is that um, the, the, the Gemara, I'm just going to conclude with one more statement of the sages, and then we'll... The Gemara says an interesting thing. The Gemara says the reason why King David's kingship and Shlomo Melech's kingdom lasted forever, and the other kings did not last forever. So the Gemara says, because David Melech and Shlomo Melech were anointed with a horn, with a keren. 
In other words, they dip the horn into the oil, Shem and Amishcha, the anointing oil, and they smeared it on David and on Shlomo. And um, by the way, I'm just going to add parenthetically, I just want to share with you something very special. The only kings that they anointed with the Shem and Amishcha for Moshe Rabbeinu was David HaMelech, and only Malchus based David, they used the special anointing oil. Uh, all the other kings that were kings, they used a different oil that was some kind of a um, gen- uh, generic brand. Shem and Afarsamayin. It was a very perfumed oil, but it wasn't the oil that Moshe Rabbeinu used. The oil from, from Moshe Rabbeinu was only used on David and on Shlomo. And the reason for that is, based on what we said earlier, when they put the oil on these people's head, on David HaMelech's head, Shlomo, Moshe Rabbeinu's oil, the Gemara says, never got used up. You know how much they, they used? They made a small measure of oil. They anointed the Mishkan. They anointed everything. And Aaron HaKohen, they anointed. And they had the full amount because it's eternal. It can't get used up. You put that eternal oil onto someone, it it has that a power of eternity, of all everlasting. It, basically, that oil contains some... The oil itself captures something divine in it, and that godliness is, in, is now absorbed in whoever is receiving that oil. That's why there's such strict punishment if anybody dare takes that oil and tries to use it on someone else, because that oil is, a, is, a, is an oil that the God himself designed, and Hashem imbued that oil with this godly eternity, and that's only used for David HaMelech and his family. But the interesting thing is, Shaul HaMelech was also anointed with that oil, according to some, there's actually opinions about it, if Shaul was used with that oil. But he was anointed with a pach, which was used a jug. Shmuel HaNavi had a jug, and he used a jug. David HaMelech and Shlom HaMelech, they used a keren. A keren, which is a horn, and that's why it says in the Pasuk, Rama Karni Ba'ashem, my horn is exalted in God, and when, you, when you're exalted with a horn, it's for all eternity. So the question that is asked is, what does it mean? David HaMelech was anointed and Shlomo was anointed. Now usually the halacha is, I just want to point something out. You don't anoint a son of a king. The second generation of kingdom doesn't have to be anointed. Ramam says, Ein Moishchan Melech ben Melech. Because he's, he's automatically a king. He, he inherits. When do you anoint someone? To give him a certain leadership, a certain power that he didn't have. But when a, 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 a descendant of David HaMelech a, a, a descendant of a king, he has it naturally, he's born. But Shlomo Melech was an exception. Why did Shlomo Melech need it to be anointed? So the Gemara says, because there was competition against him. Because Adonio was claiming to be the king, so in order to knock out that, that thought that no one should think that there's another king, we anoint him to demonstrate that he is the Melech and not, and not the other. Fine. So if that's the case, the question is, so why does the Gemara say, the reason why David's Malchus is forever and Shlomo Melech's Malchus is forever is because they were anointed with a horn. It seems to imply that Shlomo Melech is a king by his own right. The reason why Shlomo Melech is forever is because his father was anointed with a horn and it was absorbed in David. And once it's absorbed in David, it's there for all the other children, till Mashiach, for all, for all generations. Why does the Gemara say the anointment of David and Shlomo? As if Shlomo is the beginning of a, new, of a new anointment. He's not. He's just a continuation of his father. So here, I mean, I was very little time, and therefore I'm going to rushing, but I just want to say it's a very important idea. Is that even though it's true, when the Abishter was Bocher Bedavid and gave him the Shem and Amishra, it was absorbed in him, and therefore it, and we said earlier, it becomes part of his essence, and it travels, you would think, in all of his children. It just like passes on, and one of them will actualize it, but they all have it in the DNA. Not true. 
David HaMelech has it, but the Eberster makes two times a choice. Hashem is Bocher B'David, and Hashem is also Bocher independently B'Shlomo. There's two generations that God chooses. After Shlomo HaMelech, there's no explicit prophecy, there's no explicit choice coming from God who will be the next king. There is a, a lineage. It's passing through. It doesn't say openly in the Psukim. Maybe when Mashiach comes. But there is no in the, in the passage. But, the Ram, but for the first two generations, there is a, there is a, a Bechira B'David. And David HaMelech says, V'yifchar B'Shloim HaMelech. There's a Bechira in Shlomo. And the reason for that is, is because just like when David HaMelech became king, the Mechilta says, Eloshin, everybody else became puzzle. Everybody else, all other human beings became, till that time, it was potential for anybody to be a king, whatever. But once David Amalek became king, everybody became exempt. The same happened in the next generation when Shlomo Amalek was anointed by Malchus. All other possible lines became complete zarim, became strangers. Not that they hypoth- happened not to be, be, be Malachim. They're, they're essentially outside of it. It can only be a descent. That's why you see Rambam when he speaks about who are the Jewish kings, he says there, it has to be Mizera David or Mizera Shlomo. That means there's a double generation over here. There's David and Shlomo Amelech together were selected as a peer. Not just David, but Shlomo Amelech too. And there's other proofs to that. There's sometimes you see that the, when, the, when the Gemara talks about the kingdom of David, the certain tefillahs we say, Na hakoim b'meheira malchus David u'shlomo. That means that the malchus is contributed to two generations. It means the selection happened in two generations, not only in one generation. So that is very, very important. And that's why we're saying, and you know, I saw an interesting beer that it could be why, is because the Zohar says that malchus is associated with the moon. And just like the moon fluctuates and gets big and small, Shlomo HaMelech says was the 15th generation of Avram Avinu. It took 15 generations for the Jewish. But we know halachically an interesting thing. That the moon, not halachic, fact is, the moon doesn't reach its full, moon, full, full light on the 15th day. It's halfway in the fourth, between the 14th and the 15th. Somewhere in the middle, you look in Rambam, in Hilchas Kiddush HaChodesh, that's when the moon reaches its completion. That means that it's somewhere between David and Shlomo together that reached that 14, 15 full moon expression of the Ebershtas Malchus. Two generations. So now, and that's why there's an emphasis that, that it's almost like Shlomo Melech has his own independent thing. Now we'll understand an amazing thing. Why we stopped reading the Haftorah where we stop and we don't continue further. It's a very, very, very deep idea, very beautiful. And I, it's, it's, it's as follows. You see, why is it that the connection between, between the, the Parsha and the Haftorah is not only in both cases we're looking for a successor. There's something deeper. In both cases we find somebody that is chosen for all of eternity. In, in, the, in the Chumash we have the Jewish people to be chosen as God's people. And the reason why there can never be a change in, in the Jewish people, that we are... God's people. And we know that it doesn't depend so much only, it doesn't depend on our behavior. There are times that we mess up, but God swore to us that he'll never exchange us. Times that we weren't worthy. Why? So it says one thing. Atta, we say it in davening, Atta hu Hashem Elohim, Asher b'charta b'avram. You chose Avram. 
Choosing is something very deep. When someone chooses, you're not choosing because of external reasons. You make a choice because of your essence. This is what you want. The Jewish people are God's people essentially. It's not dependent on external factors. It's a choice that the Abishta that God made to Avram. And I'm at, therefore, that's why Ramam says, we have to do tshuva because we were chosen. That's going to happen. We must do tshuva because God is knotted with us with an absolute bond. It's an eternal, it's the eternal people. It's a covenant. It's an absolute thing. Forever and ever and ever and ever. It's going to be that way. That's the, that's, now the same is also Malchus based David. The Abraham chose David the Melech and he says, he says in Tehillim, even when your children will sin and even if they will, be, I will never ever, I will punish them and I will beat them and I will bring all kinds of suffering with them. But v'chasti may David layamush. It's a choice. That's the difference between Shalom Melech. Shalom Melech was appointed for the need. The people needed a king, so King Saul was made a king. David the Melech is essentially God's chosen one. That in him, Hashem says, he is the one that I want to be. Ma- I want to manifest my kingship in him. It's a choice. It's eternal. That's the similarity between these two, the Parsha and the Torah. In both these cases, we see an union of Nitzchias because it's a choice. It's an essential thing that the Abishta says, I'm choosing Israel, I'm choosing the Jew. That's the reason why, an interesting thing. In the, Haftor, in the Parsha, the choice was not just Hashem choosing Avram. Because Avram has many children. So Hashem has to make a second selection. After he chose Avram, Hashem chooses Yitzchak. So you see? So okay, so you have a second choice because it's not Yishmael, it's only Yitzchak. But in the parsha, the Jewish people, Hashem didn't finish narrowing it down because Yitzchak has two children. He has, he has, he has Yaakov and Esau. And in Parshas Chayesara, God doesn't narrow it down to the very end. You have Yitzchak, but in the next parsha, told us you're going to have Yitzchak and Esau and you don't know where God chooses. Ki be Yitzchak, only part of Yitzchak, no, no, but it's not yet. It's going to take the next generation until it's finally, finally, Hashem's choice on who is going to be His people is narrowed down to its actual precision of exactly who it is and everybody else's. That's why in the Haftorah we dafka stop before Shlomo HaMelech becomes king because it's similar to the Parsha. If you would put the Psukim of Shlomo HaMelech being already, then you have a Haftorah that has a complete a, a complete choice in Malchus, but you don't have in the Parsha a complete choice in Hashem's nation. They have to be similar. Just like here there is unfinished business. Where? In the Parsha there's unfinished business because you don't have Yaakov yet. Follow? So therefore in the Haftorah, since even over here we technically could have finished it, but we stopped before the finish because Hashem didn't finish collect, selecting just like in the Parsha He didn't finish selecting. He didn't finish selecting in the Haftorah. And to complete one more nakuda, I hope I'm not going to go over time on the CD, just one more very important idea is that the two are interwoven and interconnected much deeper. It's not because when the Eberster chose Malchus based David, David and Shlomo, he actually then completed his choice in the Jewish people. It's not stamped two similar things. Why? I just want to say it's very important. The Jewish people are not completely chosen as a people until David and Shlomo come. The reason is a simple idea. What's the idea? It's a very deep idea, very beautiful idea. The idea is like this. Hashem didn't choose the Jewish people to be a nice bunch of individual Jews. Hashem chose the Jewish people to be an Am, to be a nation of God in this world. Without a king, we're not a nation. 
The Rambam says one of the qualities of a king, Yikabetz imaseinu. He gathers the people. A king, without a king, everybody's busy. Everybody's busy doing their own stuff. Everybody, we're not unified. We don't have one singular mission and goal. We're not, we don't have direction. Everybody, like you say, this Hasidist does so, this group of people, the Shtibbles does so. Everybody's busy doing a bunch of other stuff. We don't have one unifier. The king, because of his charisma, because of his godly power of attraction, he, he powerfully grabs all the people, unifies them into one entity. That means that the Abishtha's completion of choosing the Jewish people as an Am was only completed when he solidified the Jewish kingdom. And we have a Melech of David Melech and Shlomo Melech. And finally, when it's all going to come together, is in Moshiach Tzedkeinu. Then we're going to have the completion of an ultimate Melech with the Jewish people for all of eternity. And there's going to be in a, the, this, this, this Am HaNifchar and a Malchus HaNifchar. And the last most important thing, it requir- and only when we have a king do we also have a city and a Beis HaMikdash. Because the Beis HaMikdash is also intrinsically connected to Malchus Beis David. So these are things people a lot of times go through the Siddur and they think, you know, I'm davening a kingdom, this, that, yeah, and uh, as long as the Ebershter gives me Parnassah, as long as I'm doing fine, as long as, as I can give, send my kids to a good Talmud Torah or a good yeshiva and they're learning and they're becoming Talmidei Chachamim, I'm like serving God on the highest level, everything is perfect. We're not realizing we have nothing. We have nothing, we have zero. That, that's all the thing. We need to have a Malchus and we need to have a Beis HaMikdash and all these things are unified. They're all one idea. One nation under, the, under, uh, under Hashem in Eretz Yisrael, in a Beis HaMikdash. And as a result of that, unifying all of creation to the service of Hashem. May we merit to see the revelation in this galus of Hashem's kingdom in the world through Mashiach Tzedkenu, B'meheira, B'yameinu, and as the Pasuk concludes in the parsha, Yechi Adoni David Olam, that David HaMelech, King David's Malchus, should be forever and ever. May we see it in our... Peace.